Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Peck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links here on MMAfighting.com. Thank you for joining us. It is great to be back on the show live on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel after just an insane week in Dallas. But we are back to discuss the fallout of that event in the Lone Star State, capped up by Jake Paul's decision win over a very game Nathan Diaz, the aftermath of UFC Nashville, and the big winners from that card, a couple of fight announcements, one expected, one totally unexpected, plus the weekend ahead in the world of MMA and much more on this week's program. But before we get to the banter, we have to introduce the banterers, the, the bantees, if you will. I don't know. But first, let's say hello to Mr. No Gray Area, Mr. No Hot, Mr. Hot Take, the co-host of No Bets Bard. He is MMA Fighting Zone, Jed K. Mishu. Hello, Jed. You're struggling with the intro today. <laughs> Mike, uh, hey, everybody. Look forward to this. We have a lot of stuff to talk about, most of it very dumb. So let's have fun. Hey, keep, keep, keep Jed on the screen. We'll, give me and me and Jed splitty here. Uh, let, let me just say, Jed, uh, apologies to the NBB Nation. Myself and New York Rick, we cost GC some money with our just plain and simple Love wrong scenes. prediction. <laughs> Amanda Serrato, Heather Hardy fight. Rick and I were feeling real good about that pick, like, three rounds in and then it got real sweaty and then I just felt like an absolute moron. So uh, I publicly apologize to GC. I'll see him next weekend face to face, but I apologize to no bets barred nation. Jen. Oh, yeah. So if you want to pass that along to GC, I will. GC was um, not the happiest person <laughs> with, with some of the things that happened as a result of last week, but you know, it's why it's why you just got to be your own man. You got to stick to your own beliefs regardless of what anyone's telling you. It's a true story. But speaking of Dallas, let's introduce Jed's opponent. I got to spend some time with this gentleman throughout fight week. In fact, I sat next to him during the Paul versus Diaz event at the American Airlines Center. You can see him over on the Sporting News, Sirius XM, and many other things. Happy to welcome Andreas Hale to BTL for the very first time. Andreas, how are you, sir? I am well, sir. I'm ready for war. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's gonna be that yeah, it's gonna be a good hang there. today yeah, yeah it's just gonna be a fun hang there's just a bunch of weird things to talk about and that just segues in perfect so let, let's talk about this because andreas and i were both on the ground in dallas for jake paul versus nate diaz and jed i want to start with you because we recorded an audio version of the show on wednesday after the open workouts and it felt to you and you weren't alone on this like Nate didn't really seem to care about any of this, that Jake was trying to make him care and Nate wasn't really biting. And then Thursday's press conference rolls around. Nate was starting to get a little bit pissed off at all of it, really upset about the little dude from better 
being all sorts of disrespectful and things started to heat up with the with the face off continued on into Friday and by the time Saturday rolled around and by the time this fight was about to happen Jed and Andreas can attest to this the crowd was effing here for it they were ready they were fired up and then the fight happened and to me it went exactly the way I Oh, no. I was saying, did I DC or or did Mike DC? I wasn't sure I was near him. (laughs) He's frozen. (laughs) Look at that handsome man. Oh, Mike's Mike's power just went out. That's a problem. Mm. Uh, Well, I don't know how he's going to solve that particular issue, Casey. So while he works on that, I'm just going to answer the question that I think he was teeing up, which is – Jed, what's your reaction to the Jake Paul Diaz fight? Did it live <laughs> up to your expectations, etc.? <laughs> way to go! Way to step in, Casey. Uh, uh, you talk. Oh wait, no, you <laughs> go. So, so heading into that fight, I like I, I was pretty open. I was like, yeah, I'm not really that interested. I didn't hate it. Um, it just hadn't captivated me in any way, and. I freely admit that it it's certainly on the ground, and Andreas, I'm sure, can speak more to this. It seemed like the people in Dallas were were here for it, as Mike said, right? Uh, and that, that that energy amped up. And watching at home, you could feel the energy. Like uh, in the arena, you could feel that people were here for it. And I still, right up until the fight started, didn't really care much about it. Like it, it's fine. It, it was a thing to notice or, or care about, but just didn't tickle me that way. But watching the fight, it exceeded my expectations. It was a far more fun fist fight than I. Oh, oh hello. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Everything. <I've had. laughs> I'm so sorry. Like, dude, my power, like the power in my, it, just in this room all went out and they came back on and then it went out again. And then it came back on and then it went out again. I don't know what the hell just happened, but we're good now. You have, you have a ghost. Good. It would appear that you have a ghost. Uh, I was, Mike, yeah. Mike, I was just right, saying, <laughs> yeah, Mike, I was just saying like the fight exceeded my expectations. It played out pretty much like I thought it would and like we talked about, but it was more entertaining than I thought it would be in that regard. Right. Like Nate was, whether Nate cared about that fight beforehand, I'm still not sure. But when the bullets started flying, he's Nate Diaz. He is going to try and fist fight you. And he did. And he gave a, a decent accounting of himself. Uh, I thought, I thought Jake Paul is probably the best we've ever seen him look from a boxing standpoint, which isn't saying a ton, but still, but the fight was fun. Like the fight delivered in a way that I don't think anyone on the ground could have been upset with, you know, spending their money on that. And, you know, buying the pay-per-view at home, I wasn't, I was not upset that I, I chalked my money up for that. So exceeded expectations, which is really the best thing you can sort of ever say about an event like that. And I'm happy enough leaving it. So I, I don't know. Obviously, I missed the first half of what you just said. But what 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 was your grade? What was your grade for the fight itself? Oh, I don't know. It's it B B like a solid B. It's not a great fight. The event was okay. Um, some things happened, but like influencer boxing is just kind of fun, but it's not like meaningful. And that's largely what we got. I mean, up and down, up and down the card. Even Amanda Serrano, like we all knew what that fight was. It's just a, a payday for 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 Hardy, essentially, which is fine. Like I don't have any issues with it. So, again, I don't feel like I got my money's worth from that pay per view, and so it's a B. But it's not like I'm going to tell my grandkids about the time I watched Jake Paul box Nate Diaz. <laughs> Andreas, what a stretch of time life was for you. You go from Spence Crawford one weekend to Paul Diaz the next weekend. And we were in the building in Dallas. And as Jed sort of alluded to, the event was kind of a slow burn, a, a lot of fights, six main card fights. H2O Silv gave the fans the only finish on the card in the featured belt. But, you know, from an in-arena standpoint as a viewer, and it's impossible to compare this to Spence Crawford, what did you grade the actual fight between Jake Paul and Nate Diaz? I mean, the the event was a B. Uh, the fight might have been like a C minus, right? It wasn't like a great boxing match. But in terms of the event and the atmosphere, it was incredible. Um, you know, Spence Crawford was electric. It's, it's going to be very difficult for another fight to live up to that and Ryan Garcia versus Tank Davis. But this was special for a number of reasons. One, people showed up when the pay-per-view started. 
that arena was about 75% full. In boxing, nobody showed up until like damn near the main event, which is what, you know, what people are used to in boxing. So it was like this mix of like an MMA crowd, a boxing crowd, Nate Diaz fans, Jake Paul fans. People just want to see people throw hands. I thought as an event, it was fantastic. I know a lot of people don't like influencer boxing. They think it's a mockery of the sport. I don't care. I love pro wrestling. So this is right in my wheelhouse. And I'll take it every day of the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, twice on Wednesday. I don't care. I think it's fun. The more people get eyeballs on the sport, the more interesting it is. I liked it. As far as, far as like pure boxing goes, Andreas, and Jed said he thought this is the best that Jake Paul had looked in boxing. And we kind of knew what we were going to get from Nate, but we weren't sure about Jake. Going 10 rounds seemed at times that, you know, in the first round, maybe after the knockdown in the fifth, Maybe he blew the gas tank. This is when Nate was really going to turn it on. But Jake really didn't blow the gas tank after. I looked pretty fresh when it was over. How would you grade Jake's performance in this fight? Did you feel like this is the best Jake Paul we have seen from a boxing sense? I feel like he's improved. I, I think he's shown some drastic improvement. Like he started throwing an uppercut. He throws a long jab to the body now. Like it's just not jab, jab, right hand like it was his first few fights. So he showed marked improvement. He still has a hard time fighting on the inside. And Nate Diaz took some advantages of that late in the fight, uh, just kind of clubbing him on the inside. Like when Jake doesn't have space, he has a hard time operating. But in improvements, I think it was a B-level performance for him because he's looking a lot better than he did from his first fight. So I appreciate the improvements. It wasn't like a world-beater performance. Um, but I, but I, I'm looking at a guy who's taking this sport very seriously as a fighter who doesn't want to lose and wants to add more tools to the game. Obviously, now has Shane Mosley in his corner. Uh, he's got Jaleon Love still there. So he's going to add wrinkles to his game. So as a boxer, he's getting better. So for him, for Jake Paul, not in boxing, because in boxing, he'd be like a D. But for Jake Paul, that's like a B performance. Jed, why did you feel this was this was Jake's best outing? I don't know. I thought he just looked sort of the best against live opposition that we've seen. I mean, if you wanted to say the Tyron Woodley rematch, sure. That's just he iced Tyron Woodley, which isn't nothing. But I think him bouncing back from losing to Tommy Fury uh, gives I give some stock to that, right? Just because in combat sports in general, it's an it's you know trite to say, but you learn more from losses than wins, and it's always interesting to sort of see how a fighter reacts to that first loss, particularly a fighter like Jake Paul, who I don't know how much of what he is saying he believes or not, but he's he's saying a lot of things, and it's entirely possible given the life he's led that he just sort of believes it all because that's just how he's gotten from A to B here. So that, you know, talked a bunch of trash about Tommy Fury ends up losing. And yes, there are baked in excuses, but still at some point you have to reckon with like, oh, I, everything doesn't just magically work out for me all the time. And it came through 10 rounds, like fought a pretty hard 10 rounds at the end. He appeared to be struggling gas wise, but it was a disciplined performance, which I think was sort of the most impressive part to me because there was, as you sort of alluded to the first round he had, I don't know how hurt Nate was, but he definitely hit Nate hard and a less disciplined fighter, a previous version of him would have just gone on Waylon and punched himself out. And then Nate would have cooked him in the later, later rounds. But he just he fought a smart fight. He showed some flashes and continues to show improvement at the sport, which is what you expect. He's young. He is physically capable of competing at this. And like Andrea said, he gives a shit. Like he cares about improving and he has the best resources in the world to improve. So you should continue to see this improvement, but it was just a nice thing to see. Now we get to the to the aftermath of this, right? Because Jake wants to run it back in MMA with Nate, wants to do it in the PFL. Nate wants a rematch in boxing, wants it in MMA. And Nate's talked a lot about a possible return to the UFC. And I think those that idea actually kind of grew a little bit more after going through this fight week and feeling like Nate was kind of disrespected in a lot of respects from the betters and or, or Derek from better and, and some of the other people. But Jed, what are the chances that we get a rematch in MMA next? What are the chances it happens in the PFL, if at all? Where do these guys go from here? 30%? I, I don't know. I think when push comes to shove, there are arguments for Jake Paul doing that. Um, but I'm not sure that it's 
the best avenue forward for him. Um, I think some of this is straight up just going to depend on Tommy Fury KSI when that fight happens. Because if Tommy Fury wins, uh, I suspect Jake Paul will just want to run that fight back um, to feel that he can get that one back in his boxing career. do think there are some arguments for Jake Paul to make a move to MMA, but this feels more to me like just a thing to say because he is an investor in the PFL. He gets to say, let's do it in the PFL, create some buzz, some interest. He knows his way around promotion, but he he would not win an MMA fight. So it's it doesn't make a ton of sense to do it unless he has truly run out of boxing options, and I don't think that's the case for Jake Paul at this point. So maybe one day, possibly, I'm pretty skeptical that it happens next. Andreas, what do you think? Do you think Jake's next fight is a, a rematch with Nate Diaz in MMA? Do you think this happens? Any chance? No, not in MMA. Here's why. Look, Jake Paul said, I'll give you $10 million to fight. Nate Diaz has made $10 million before. And if Dana White catches wind of that, he's going to offer him $20 million to come back to the UFC. And I know Nate doesn't care about money like that, but he'll find something for Nate to care about to take him away from Jake Paul. Dana's been awfully silent about Jake Paul lately because I think he's learned his lesson. However, to see Nate do this again, and I'm sure Dana watched on some yacht somewhere and took a look and saw this electric crowd that was there for Nate Diaz, there's still a lot of selling power in Nate Diaz. He doesn't want that man to go to the PFL. That would be the worst possible thing to happen. So he would be the biggest cock blocker in the world by throwing all kinds of money at Nate Diaz to prevent that fight from happening. And for Jake Paul, why do it? I don't even understand. Like, I get it. Like, you're an investor in the PFL, but I think you got plenty of options as a boxer. Uh, like Jed said, like, listen, you got Logan Paul fighting Dylan Danis. You have KSI fighting Tommy Fury. You want to get in that mix or find somebody else or a rematch with Nate in boxing also kind of makes sense. MMA, though, bruh, no thank you. Yeah, I just don't see it happening in the PFL. I don't know if PFL savvy enough to be like, yeah, we'll co-promote because the way that the PFL sort of operates, they're like, we're number two with the bullet and we don't need any co-promotion. And, and I hope that's not the case if they want to do this. Like you have to get Nate in, in real fight I think they involved. Would. If you, you think so? Yeah, I think they would. I think if if it were if it started moving that way, I think PFL wouldn't. PFL is not going to be the blocker here, in my opinion. Uh, I just think all the other things don't really line up because PFL is. I'm one rocking a PFL shirt right now. Uh, I feel, and this is not based on any insider knowledge. This is just my reading of PFL is is just trying to garner as much market share as they possibly can to then sell this to some patsy in the tech world and be like, look at all this money you can make if you buy us out. And the best way to do that is just to continue to make big splashy headlines. Francis Ngannou, Nate Diaz, go through another route of, of, of VC funding and do it all over again until you can cash out ultimately. Nate Diaz is a perfect opportunity. I, but like Andreas and I sort of said, it just doesn't seem like it's the most obvious next path forward for all parties involved. Yeah, I would be pretty stunned if if that's what happens. But let's Plus move we've on. got a new guy. We've got a new guy for Jake Paul to fight now. Fedor, baby. Fedor's coming to boxing, Mike. Jake Paul versus Fedor in the boxing ring, 2024. Book it. Oh, boy. Well, you might have just lost the round with that statement. But the point for round one goes to... <laughs> I mean, it's Andreas. 10-9, Andreas. Thank you, Jed, for making that very easy on me. That feels garbage. Half of my round was, was derailed by your tech difficulties. <laughs> and you're just going to give the point to Andreas? What? What is this nonsense? You lose the round, Mike. I mean, look, I mean, these points mean nothing at the end of the day. It all matters what happens at the end if we get that far. Not starting out too good for you, Jed, but. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. 
This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it. Paul versus Diaz was not the only thing happening on Saturday night. Yes, there was SummerSlam going on, but we also had UFC Nashville. The main event saw Corey Sanhagen defeat Rob Font. Pretty one-sided fight, one that didn't seem to resonate very well with the fans in attendance or watching at home on television. And that's probably putting it lightly because the Boo Birds were out in full force. However, we found out that Sanhagen was injured, torn tricep in the first round, went to his wrestling a lot. And this is a dominant win for Corey Sanhagen. So, Andreas, your reaction to Sanhagen's win, the reaction from the fans, and how it has been viewed by the MMA community. Um, yeah, it wasn't fun to watch. That whole card wasn't fun to watch. It was kind of disappointing as a whole. And it felt like a card that was put together was like, here's something to do when everybody else is watching boxing and SummerSlam and some other things. Sanhagen's performance... I didn't know he was injured, and I went back and watched the fight and found out he was injured. It looked like a performance that said, hey, I know what Rob Font does well. I'm not doing that. I'm going to take this to the ground and grind it out and get a W because all that matters is wins. It wasn't, it wasn't impressive in the sense that I enjoyed it. It was a grind watching that card, and it was a grind getting to that main event. But Corey Sanders things in the win column, and that's what really matters. We'll forget about this in a few weeks, and we'll move on to find out who Corey's fighting next. But this performance is just a blip on the radar. I don't think... I mean, people are going to boo. MMA fans suck. It is what it is. They don't like anything that's <laughs> relatively boring. I'm not, I'm not surprised by the reaction by this, but I think Corey's next fight, we've seen him in some fantastic fights. I think he'll be fine once he heals from this injury, but this is a blip on the radar. Jed, your, your thoughts on Sanhagen's performance? I largely agree with Andreas here. I mean, Corey has given us enough good performances that we can't really hold this one together. I hold this one against him. You know, he's, he got the win. Like Andreas said, the most important thing is that, and sort of, it's not going to matter in 10 years when you're just looking back on the resume, you'll look back and say, Rob Font is a very good win. Uh, and if he comes out and he continues to deliver fun, exciting performances moving forward, then yeah, this is exactly what it is. I have also add in the injury thing. And that certainly is, an explanation for what happened, right? I'm a little concerned. Um, just not like a ton. Now we need to be really losing our minds here, but there's a world where Corey Sandhagen starts being more boring and that would suck. Like that would just not be cool. Uh, because that's what that was. And some people try to be like, Oh, it's technically like there, there is an overlap between technical brilliance and boring. It, it can happen. And, if if this becomes the new Corey Sandhagen where it's just, oh, this dude can't wrestle, I'm going to take him down a bunch, that will be understandable. But again, we're talking about one of the dudes who has been full-on gangbusters action every time in or out. And so to lose him to the primacy of getting Ws would be unfortunate. If he's going to go this path... I would absolutely love to see him try to hurt people on top more because that was part of why it was boring. Getting takedowns is inherently boring. Holding the position and not doing anything with it is is tough. So I'm willing to write this one off, you know, but just just want to check back in with his next couple of fights and see if this becomes a a thing. Cause sometimes fighters change styles. They find things that work for them and that are objectively smart ways to approach the game, but might make them less fun to watch moving forward. And I, I hope that that's not Corey Sandhagen. I don't think we need to to say that it definitively is, but I'm on guard now. So it was reported that Dana just left the fight in the fourth round and Corey Sandhagen talked about it a little bit on the MMA hour, just kind of chalk it up to him being a busy guy. And we saw videos from Dana getting some guns from Kid Rock and some presents from celebrities. So who knows? Maybe he just went back and opened the presents. I don't know. But a win is a win, obviously, Jed. And that's very important, especially in a weird but very fun division like Bantamweight. One that could get flipped totally upside down next Saturday if Sean O'Malley beats Aljamain Sterling. But this was a fight heading in, Jed. And we talked a lot about it on on the show last week. A lot of stakes attached to it. Did this win solidify a title shot for Sanhagen? Should Aljamain Sterling win at UFC 292? Did he just sort of stay in the same spot? Or do you feel like this is going to go the way I think it's going to go? That Sanhagen was supposed to fight Umar Namagamadov, got Rob Font instead, 
And now he's going to go ahead and fight Umar Namagamadov again. Yep. Then that that's the issue with the fight, right? Like that was my one of my biggest takeaways coming out of this is like, man, he's he didn't lose, but he didn't really win. Like he got a win on the resume, but that is, is not going to advance him at all because barring some sort of unforeseen circumstances or injury, Corey Sandhagen is not fighting for the title in his next bout. I know he called for it and feels he deserves it. And in a purely meritocratic world, that could be true, but it's just not going to happen for him. He's going to fight Umar whenever Umar's healed and whenever he's healed now because if I mean O'Malley said earlier this week, like if O'Malley wins, he's not fighting Corey. He's he's not interested in that fight realistically. If if O'Malley wins, he's probably fighting Marab. And if Aljo wins, he is almost certainly moving up to 145. And then O'Malley's probably fighting Marab for the vacant belt. Like Corey is just the odd man out now. And it, it may not be fair, but sometimes you need to make a statement and getting a good win over a very quality opponent in that fashion is is not the statement that you need to to sort of demand a title shot. And that's a key. He he is not a star in a way that demands a title shot and his his most recent performance does not demand one. And so he's not going to get one. So I, I don't think they'll go Marab O'Malley if O'Malley wins. I think if Marlon Vera beats Pedro Munoz, they're just going to go right to that. Well, run that back if, for the belt. If, if that happens, that just felt like too many if if yeah, X yeah. and Y, then Z. But, you know, where it's just easier to say. But yeah, I would agree. Fair. Andreas, where does, where does Sanhagen go from this win? And I, I made this case a little bit on Saturday while we were watching Paul Diaz. While Sanhagen may have got the win in a main event spot, it kind of feels to me like Henry Cejudo is like the big winner on Saturday. Because now if Aljamain Sterling wins seems like he might just find himself in this vacant title fight with Marab. What say you? Yeah, I think this was a this is a flotation device where Corey Sanhagen just stays afloat. You know, like he won. He didn't look spectacular. He didn't win over any new fans. Nobody's calling their friends and saying, yo, you got to watch Corey Sanhagen fight. He deserves a title shot. None of that shit happened in this fight. So what we saw was a man who just kind of stayed exactly where he was at, which isn't great, but at least it wasn't a loss. And he didn't look bad either. So... If you need to have a fight, it's Corey Sanhagen and Martin Megamedov. You don't see Corey go up or down. He's just there. It's like this fight didn't even happen, and the Umar fight is just waiting. So if you told me that Corey didn't fight this weekend, he's fighting Umar in like September, October, November, I'd be like, when was his last fight? And you would tell me it was this fight. I was like, no, it wasn't, because I didn't believe you, because nothing happened. Nothing (laughs) happened in this fight. There's no movement. It's nothing. It's a nothing fight. It didn't make anything better for Corey Sanhagen, but he didn't lose. That's all that matters. The other big storyline coming out of this, Andreas Tatiana Suarez, after a long layoff, she's now two and zero, two finishes in her return. Finishes Jessica Andrade in her return to strawweight. Second round submission, a unanimous result amongst the MMA fighting fight picks crew heading into Saturday. But man, she's out here making statements. She's making claims. We do have a title fight in this division. Next Saturday, UFC 292 between Zhang Wei Li and Amanda Lamos. Tatiana Suarez feels she deserves a title shot after this win. Not a lot of people arguing with her. So has she done enough in your eyes to earn a title shot? And maybe the more important question, will she get it? Yes and yes. Uh, the only ass whooping that was worse than this one was the Alabama Riverboat brawl that happened this weekend. Uh, aside from that... Tatiana Suarez actually mowed down Jessica Andrade. We all kind of expected it, but the way that she did it was in true Tatiana Suarez fashion where she's just a bully in there. Like She's an absolute bully. There is no reason. I mean, this is something that we predicted a while ago. Before she got injured, she would be in the title picture. Now she's just getting there. I don't think there's any reason to pass her by. She is the one. She is a problem. She's a scary woman. And again, if it wasn't for the Alabama Riverboat, bro, this was the biggest ass woman of the weekend. Jed, dude with the chair is my hero. The dude <laughs> with the chair is just a monster. There were a lot of uh, interesting cats in that one. The, the hat throw up in the air guy, the swimmer. I mean, the freaking swimmer. Yes. I mean, the, the shmoney hat toss to kick it all off was unbelievable. I loved everything about it. It was great. Now, with Tatiana Suarez, Jed, you can make a case she gets the next title shot, but will she get it? Is she going to have to fight again before she gets it? Does it all depend on what happens next Saturday? She is not going to get the next title shot. Um, she, You can make the case that she deserves it, and I'm, I'm willing to hear that. That case is largely, though, built on she's the 
best women's strawweight in the world, which I believe, uh, and not so much what she has in fact accomplished. Beating Jessica Andrade is obviously a very good win, and she has some other very solid wins from like six years ago. But that's just sort of the problem when you take four years off because of – you not take off. That's When you are forced out of action for four years, you're just coming back and what you previously did doesn't really carry over in exactly the same way. So – like, yeah, she beat Jessica Andrade. Yan Zhaonan arguably beat Jessica Andrade worse and did it before, so that always is just a better win. I think Yan Zhaonan has done enough to deserve a title shot. I assume Wei Li Zhang is going to beat the brakes off Limoche, and then we will just do China versus China for uh, a title fight, which is very deserved and real. And you could just say Tatiana Suarez wait, but that would be a long time to sit, particularly for someone who has spent a lot a lot of time on the shelf and so instead i think she's going to be getting um mckinsey dern or rena jangeroba she she was originally gonna fight verna this weekend i think and then andrade stepped in i don't know what the timeline is for verna to to heal up but uh i think i think we're probably looking at hey mckinsey dern you and tatiana suarez grappling versus wrestling for the next title shot against maybe as the co-main event or on the undercard of the inevitable Zhang Yan fight card. There you have it. Two big winners from UFC Nashville. There are obviously other winners, but we got too much to talk about. So we will move on. The point for round two goes to. It goes to Jed Mishu. It is one to one. No power outages this time, Jed. And I totally agree. The fight to make, because I, I do think Zhang Weili is going to win next Saturday. It's Tatiana Suarez versus Mackenzie Dern. That is, you could do that at the apex in a main event. You could do it somewhere, but that is the fight to make, I think. And it's a win-win for the UFC. Tatiana gets a title shot or Mackenzie Dern finally gets to hers. And there you go. So now we're at the round where we get some weirdness. Not that we didn't already have weirdness, but Andreas, I have to start with you right away because again... What a, what, what a time to be alive, right? Spence Crawford, the fight of fights one week. Then you go to Dallas and it's Paul Diaz the next week and we get a, just this big change of pace. And now we have to travel on a whole other avenue because it was announced this week that Logan Paul has an opponent for the Misfits Boxing Prime card. He will be in the co-main event to the KSI versus Tommy Fury headliner October 14th. It is announced that Logan Paul is returning to boxing to face Dylan freaking Dennis. I did not see this one coming. I shouldn't be as surprised as I was in the year of our Lord 2023, but Andreas, I am fascinated to hear your reaction to this booking. Uh, yeah, listen, I think in terms of like the, the, the card, the fight card is shaping up to be, to hit on all notes, KSI, Tommy Fury, you get Dennis out here in Logan Paul, which hits the stateside audience. As long as Dennis shows up, because the man pulls out more than an adult porn actor, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, but if, if these two end up fighting, I think we have a very interesting build. I don't know about the fight itself. I think Dylan Dennis sucks. But Logan Paul might beat the brakes off of him, and I think that's like the best case scenario for everyone except Dylan Dennis. I think the build will be cringeworthy at, at points. Um but yeah, man, I like pro wrestling, so I'm kind of here for the nonsense and the BS. Because KSI and Tommy Fury, they'll carry this promotion as well. But there'll be some pushing and shoving. There'll be some nonsense. There might be a, a brawl on stage at some point. Yeah, I'm here for it. If you give me from 1 to 10, my interest level went to, is about at a 7 for this card. I'm, I'm interested. I'm going to watch. Ooh, a 7. Jed, what say you? I mean, the, the build has already gotten a little weird. Dylan is doing Dylan things. He's posting photos of Logan Paul's girlfriend or fiance or wife all over social media. Some have gotten a lot more attention than others, but where are you at with this? This gets announced. What's your reaction a couple days later? Yeah, I don't really care. Um, Dylan Dance doesn't <laughs> fight this dude because I fool me once shame on, on me Fool me twice or shame on you Fool me twice. Shame on me Fool me a thousand times. I'm an idiot is I believe that's exactly how that <laughs> phrase goes. Like I don't care what the financial penalties or whatever is, is attached. He's not going to fight. He's just not going to fight. That's who he is. Uh, and honestly, I respect the bit. It is 
it was it was a trash bit for a while. It's now gone so far into being trash that it's kind of funny that he just keeps somehow getting fights and then never showing up to them. If he can continue to do this for like five more years, it'll it'll just be remarkable. But I won't believe he's fighting until they are fighting. If by some miracle it happens, that fight will probably suck. Uh, and it just that means nothing to me. The KSI Tommy Fury fight, I at least have some passing interest in because somehow this is what my life has turned into. Uh, this is my career now revolves a lot around these sorts of things. And so I'm somewhat invested in it. I've been following KSI's career as a boxer for whatever, five years now. And Tommy Fury popped up into my world. And now that's a matchup between meaningful stars in this very specific influencer boxing game. And you know, look, if KSI goes out there and beats Tommy Fury, I think that's unlikely. I've watched KSI box. He's not very good at it. Not that Tommy's great, mind you. But if he does go out there and beat Tommy Fury, the inevitable KSI-Jake Paul matchup will be, aside from big business, something I'm genuinely interested in. Because that would that would add a layer that I'm like, ooh, I don't really know what to expect here, how this will go down. So 6 out of 10, like I'm I'm above mid on it, but... The, the undercard fight has no bearing on my attention span for this particular event. Man, you can do JKSI no matter what happens in that fight. If Tommy wins a decision, you can still do that fight and it's still big business. So, no, the thing is, you can. I'm just, it's going to be big business. I'm just not going to care nearly as much if KSI goes out and loses to Tommy. If he beats Tommy, I'm much more interested in the, the Jake fight. So, if the, like most people feel like Dylan's not fighting Jed. Why even tease it at this point? Like, again, he was supposed to fight KSI already for the same promotion, did not fight, and now they already have a backup in place. Asim Rockman Jr. is apparently going to be the backup fighter. Why even also put this Also a bastion of reliability. Just a <laughs> rock. That man is committed to, like, what are we doing? Honestly, the, rock, the Rockman Jr. as the backup makes me think that they know what's up and that this is just full-blown promotion and that there is no expectation that a fight actually happens on this card for them. It's like, yeah, we just get Logan to promote this and this is a thing that people will pick up and talk about. But And if it doesn't happen, that's fine. No one's going to be that upset. We still have the main event. but if it And if it does happen, I guess we, we spiked one good for us. Andreas, is this fight going to happen? Are we going to see Logan Paul actually box Dylan Danis in October? Damn. Probably not. I like to think <laughs> that we would. <laughs> I mean, look, man. I mean, again, Dale Dan is showing up. I mean, that, that's more than half the battle. What's fascinating, though, is having Hasim Rodman Jr. as the backup is kind of interesting because he's not a horrible fighter. And he might beat Logan Paul. Dylan Dennis has no chance of beating anybody. And I think that's why I think it's – I would like to see Dylan Dennis get his ass kicked. I think everybody wants to see that. But I think Dylan Dennis knows that too. So I, I fully expect him to get to fight week and get a, a tummy ache or some shit and pull out of the fight. The chances <laughs> of him showing up are like 20%, dude. But, again, I'm here for the build. Just I'm here for the build. I think the build will be fun. Uh, again, a little bit cringy. But that – that dude, he's probably not showing up, man. I'm sorry. He's not showing up. <laughs> I mean, I may eat my words. I kind of feel like it's going to happen. I don't know why. I kind of feel like it's going to happen. If this That's is just a bit said up last you. time. <laughs> no, I didn't think. No, 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 no. I No one thought he was going to box KSI. Nobody. The, the exact same arguments where he can't keep doing this. At some point, he's got to do it or people will stop caring. He keeps doing it. I don't get it. I don't get why we're doing it. I don't, why even try? Like, why even just box somebody else? I don't get why Hasee Rahman Jr., who has pulled out of at least two fights that I know of, is your backup fighter. I don't know what the hell we're doing here, guys. Didn't he box Greg Hardy? Yes. Did that happen? Uh, yes. Yeah, he and boxed he got Greg hurt. Hardy. Yeah, he did. He was supposed hurt. to fight Alan Belcher and then bounced on that because um, he got oh, hurt yes. or whatever. And that's why Belcher uh, fought Chase Damore. But he he bounced on that one, and he bounced on a fight with with Paul. Well, we got the, that announcement, and then we got a couple of other announcements. We found out Ian Machado Gary is now getting his wish. He's going to fight Neil Magnate, UFC 292. Jeff Neal out with an undisclosed health issue, we're told. But also, Andreas, we found out Dana White made it official, UFC 293. 
much like AEW at Wembley, they sold out the damn building before they even announced the main event. But it is official now. The return to Sydney, Israel Adesanya versus Sean Strickland for the middleweight title. And the road to this has been interesting. They wanted, obviously, Drickus Duplessis too soon. They were talking about maybe doing the vacant light heavyweight title fight too soon. And then we went back to this one, which seemed like the obvious choice from Jump Street. Your reaction now that it's official, Israel Adesanya versus Sean Strickland, main eventing in the year of our Lord 2023. All right, uh, Mike, you used to watch pro wrestling back in the day when you used to wake up on Saturday mornings and get nothing but squash matches, right? Like, this is, this is what this is. Like, Sean Strickland's going to eat shit in Sydney, and I'm going to enjoy every single minute of it. It's not competitive. It isn't meant to be. They sold out the building. They could have thrown me in there against Adesanya to win the matter. But at least it's Sean Strickland, who's just a complete douchebag. He's going to get his shit pushed back by Israel Adesanya. And I'm here for it. I am here for that. Am I excited about the fight itself? No, I think Izzy's going to play with him. But I'm excited about the finish. How many memes are we going to make of Sean Strickland laying face down, face up, eyes in the sky, eyes rolled in the back of his head? He's going to get murdered. Murdered, and then he's gonna get paid for it, which I don't like. I wish he did it for free and got his ass kicked for free. But alas, here we are. Izzy's got a fight. He likes to stay busy. Sean Strickland, I guess, is the best option out there. Sure, why not? Let's do it. Jed, we kind of figured this was gonna happen. We kind of figured this was gonna happen the second Sean Strickland finished Abu Smagamadoff. We're like, he's just gonna end up fighting Izzy because there's no way Whitaker or DDP are gonna be able to turn around for this card in September. But now that it's been made official by the big boss, where are we at with this one? Izzy versus Strickland. You give me another month and I'm going to talk myself into the Sean Strickland winning because it would be the funniest <laughs> thing. Not that he should by like any any technical <laughs> definitions or moral ones realistically, but it would just be – it would be really MMA. And I think we discount uh, that – in in our analysis enough of just like this is a very silly sport where extremely silly things happen all of the time and wouldn't it just be the most mma thing ever for the ufc to have spent like a while with izzy as the champion and been like he's kind of boring and we need to get somebody who will make him interesting and then they they skyrocket alex Pajeda in and he wins Pereira wins the fight and you're like oh here's a dope thing and we have this like natural rivalry that's really good and Pereira's just like I'm done. I'm going to go up to 205 and do this thing. And they're like, well, now we're back to Izzy lording over a division that he's already beaten everybody in. And somehow DDP comes along and there is a natural animosity there. These two dudes have have talked a whole mess of ish to each other. There is a true bad blood storyline, which is really the only thing the UFC knows how to promote at all. And he somehow beats Robert Whitaker and not like edges one out. He thumps Bobby Knuckles up in like to the same degree that Izzy did. Basically, this is the number one contender with a bullet in a matchup that makes so much sense. But the machine rolls on and we got to do this Aussie card and we didn't plan well enough. So YOLO, we're just going to slide a placeholder in and we'll get to Izzy DDP next year sometime in a in a big event. And then Strickland comes in and wins. It'd be the most MMA thing ever for Sean Strickland to just upset all the best laid plans of everybody. And now we have this doofus as the middleweight champion of the world. And you got to put hot mics in front of him, which is always risk. So you give me like another month and I'm, I'm going to say that the MMA gods make a miracle happen in the stupidest way possible. Uh, but otherwise... It's like you said. We all saw this coming. This is this isn't a surprise. This was this was the inevitable endpoint with the way the UFC had set everything up this summer functionally. So it's fine. Not my favorite thing. I would have preferred they just wait for DDP and and you know be a real promotion, but it's not what they're ever going to do. So here we are. Yep, here we are indeed. And then September 9th, September 10th, whatever this one happens, we'll see how it goes down. But let's move on. The point for round three goes to. It goes to Andreas for the old school wrestling references. Superstars, wrestling challenge, mania, live wire. I mean, there's so many places we could have gone with this, uh, but let's move on. Let's move. 
Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. To the mixing of the martial arts. This weekend, we got a Bellator card on Friday, Bellator 298, headlined by Logan Storley versus Brennan Ward. UFC back at the apex, UFC Vegas 78, card headlined by Rafael Dos Sanjos versus Vicente Luque. Jed, let's be honest, neither of these cards are blockbusters, and that's putting it very lightly. But if you could only watch or cover one of these cards and you couldn't even follow the other for 72 hours, which one are you picking? Because the Bellator card, although the names aren't as big and, and, and as known, if you will, there's more to fight for in this card. There are more stakes in this Bellator card than the UFC card, you know? There are. Uh, we were talking about a no-bets bar this week, which I'm sure you heard, given what you said earlier in the show. Uh, I made the bold assertion that this UFC card is the worst fight card of the year, which co-host Connor Burks was like, that's nonsense. And we we bickered about it for a little while. And then we got into talking about the UFC card. And by the end of the episode, he was like, you know what? You you may actually have sold me that this is the worst <laughs> fight card of the year because it's a pretty bad one. No fight means anything on that card other than to the fighters and, you know, their paychecks. But as far as like divisional stakes, there's nothing significant happening in that fight card. Uh, the main event is fun. Like it's it's a fun fight, but it doesn't mean anything. Uh, and at least in Bellator, some of these fights matter. Like some of these fights are dope. Steve Mowry beats beats Valentin Rodovsky. He's probably going to be ranked in the MMA Fighting Global Heavyweight Rankings. The only rankings that truly matter because he's an undefeated dude who finally like has like a notable win in the division. Um, Logan Storley, Brendan Ward is we've talked about it for months now. Awful matchmaking, but like substantive for for Bellator's welterweight division and kind of down the line there are honestly like decently made match fights too. Like the fights are probably just better. Uh, the big failing for Bellator is that there are 17 of them and some of them are uh, questionable. For instance, the opener, Michael Bacchus, a uh, uh, NCAA All-American wrestler, making his pro debut, taking on an 0-4 fighter. That's probably just not a fight that needs to happen inside the Bellator cage, but here we are. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick one, even with 17 fights, I just think Bellator's fights are more meaningful this week, so I'll take that. Andreas, are you on Team Bellator with Jed here, or are you choosing the UFC? No, 17 fights? Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. No, thank you. I cannot. <laughs> 17 fights? Are you nuts? Listen. UFC has 13. UFC has 13, so it's not like they're doing great. I know, I know. But here's here's the deal breaker for me, right? The reason why I'm picking UFC over Bellator, both of these cards are garbage, right? Like, absolute dookie. I'll pass on both. I'm watching the Oscar Valdez-Emmanuel Navarrete fight this weekend. That's what I'm looking forward to. But That's I'm picking the UFC fight. because here's my rationale. The Bellator card, if I watched it and didn't get to watch the UFC, I can't talk to anybody about the Bellator card because nobody watches Bellator. Nobody's going to watch this card. I can't share my feelings with this. People say, I'll say Logan Story, and people say, who? If I at least watch the UFC card with Luke and those RDA, I at least I can share this with somebody and have a conversation. It's a fun fight. Both these cards suck. Don't Let's be clear. Clear Roundtree is fighting Chris Dawkins, and Dawkins has lost his last three and is moving down like heavyweight. He's probably going to get slaughtered. Cup Swanson against the Wadu, whatever. I guess this is what we, we've reduced ourselves to, but I would. I can't. 17 fights, bro. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. It's giving me a headache just thinking about <laughs> 17 decisions. Imagine that. 17 decisions. I'd kill myself. I'd die before that card would end. So I'm going to have to watch the UFC card because at least I could talk to somebody about it. Bellator, nobody's going to be able to share anything with me because I don't have friends that watch Bellator like that. Counterpoint. 
I don't want friends who would talk to me about this UFC fight card. If I had a friend <laughs> try to true. talk to me about this card, I would cut that person out of my life. She's like, don't Damn, need you. What is our life? Listen to us. Listen to us just trashing our jobs. This is what we do for a living. We, I love my job last week. My job last oh, yeah. week was great. Not every weekend could be a winner. Next week is going to be dope. 292 is amazing. That's a three-star machine card right there. This just ain't <laughs> it. This just yeah. ain't it. I just, Jed, I just have better things to do. Because at least 13 fights versus 17 fights. 17 fights, my day's done. 13 fights, You're, at least I can do something afterward. You also Maybe. haven't factored in. For me, I, I didn't mention this, but actually a, a real good <laughs> argument. Bellator's on Friday, and I'm so used to like not having Saturdays off that getting a Saturday off is a treat. It's like, ooh, this is exciting. I get to do something on a Saturday evening. I, it's worth it for the novelty, if nothing else. Yeah, you cheated. That's very true. I'm still sticking, <laughs> still sticking with the UFC. Both of these guys, Look, man, both of these guys suck, man. Ew. You didn't use your best argument, Andreas, which is if you watch Bellator, you're going to get 25 minutes of Logan Storley, which is pretty tough. It's pretty tough. Man. Yeah. Also rough. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> man, why can't we just call a mulligan and just not watch either of them and not have to talk about them ever again? Can we do that, Mike? I mean, I, it's not my choice. What should they do, Jed? What should what should people do? Oh, well, you know my answer. Uh, you should just go to MMAfighter.com. It's a terrific website. Uh, I will be covering Bellator, in fact, so this worked out well for me in that regard. Uh, so you can read my recaps. Any any cool highlights that may happen to ha- occur, we'll have you covered for all of that. And you can spend this lovely, you know, a Saturday, a Friday evening in August with your family doing other things, you know, with your time, reading a book, whatever it is that you would like to go to a brewery, <laughs> however you want to spend your time. And you just come back to him and find great website. And uh, we got you covered. <laughs> the sadness on Andreas's face. Uh, man. Spot the lie, Mike. Spot the lie. I mean, what else can we say here? Let's move on. Perhaps. I don't know how this is going to be scored, but the point for round four goes to. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> You're the only one who does. It's going to Jed Mishu because he actually turned on Dre a little bit. Yeah. When he's like, ah, oh, he kind of turned me. Look, but you know what that means. That is fights, a lot of fights. I'll acknowledge that part of it. Dude, what, that's a, a, that should be a crime punishable by law. Who the hell books a 17-fight card? Who is the fool that shows up early to watch all 17 fights in person? At least when I'm home, I have another screen to my left. I'll play video games or something while having a screen on. Imagine sitting through 17 fights in the building with no distractions. Ugh. But Honestly, to, I to, respect to, it. To it's in Sioux Falls. What else are they doing? That's true. <laughs> and there are, as Jed alluded to, a lot of as you like squash matches, there's a ton of squash matches yeah. on this card and the prelims. They don't, they don't mess around they go to the desk, but they only go to the desk for enough time to let the next two fighters walk. Cause they're already, they are really good as, about as that. As, yeah. They just go yeah, right to not, the next fight. They're not the PFL. Bell, How about Bellator? Oh my knows God. Pacing. Can you imagine a 17 fight PFL card? We'd be here for four days. Yeah. We, yeah. When the PFL inevitably sleep. buys Bellator, I want them to buy the people who know, understand pacing. That would be a great, great addition to their roster. Yes. Good deal. Well, speaking of pacing, let's go to the knockout round. We will have one question. Neither of these gentlemen know what it is. Each will have 60 seconds to state their argument. Jed probably knows what it is. Um, you know what, Andreas, I'm gonna you're you're, you're the newcomer. We had we had such a fun, a nice time in Dallas. I'm gonna let you decide. This is prices right rules. You can choose whether or not to go first, or you can pass this over to Jed and he can go first. What say you? Jed can go first. Jed? Works out. I wanted to go first. I feel confident I know what you're bringing to the table here, Mike. And if I'm wrong, I'm going to look like an idiot. (laughs) Well, I wasn't sure we were going to bring to the table here, but I had something in mind, but something we confirmed a little bit earlier today. Uh, I felt like this is the right time to do it because we talked about this last week on the program. We confirmed earlier today that Derek Lewis may have had the shortest free agency for a bigger money draw maybe in the history of this sport it lasted less than two weeks he has re-signed with the ufc dana white and hunter campbell said it was a new eight fight deal we confirmed this morning that is in fact the case he is sticking around with the ufc 
maybe for the rest of his career at this point. So, Jed, was this the right decision? Are you surprised this happened so quickly? Your thoughts on Derek Lewis sticking with the UFC less than two weeks after announcing his free agency. One minute on the clock. Go. This is objectively not the correct decision. I will lead by saying if Derek Lewis is happy, that's ultimately what matters. Do the things that make you happy. But by just about any other metric beyond that, this is this is a failing. Not that he re-signed with the UFC. Maybe ultimately he should have re-signed with the UFC. But this happened so fast that it's hard for me to believe he tested the market at all. That he even sort of went out and was like, hey, what could I get? Because everybody was tweeting about like, hey, you can just get $2 million. He could have gone and gotten $2 million. I'm frankly a lot more from the PFL to do that. And then come back to the UFC after if he had wanted to do that. He could have at least seen what the options were. And maybe he did, but it doesn't seem like that. Add in that he signed an eight-fight deal. No fighter should ever sign an eight-fight deal. There's no benefit to doing that. Just do three, baby. Uh, a fumbling of the bag of the highest order as far as I'm concerned. And pretty disappointing. All right. Andreas, we go to do you. Do I have to argue against this? Do I have to argue against this? Is that the rules here? I mean, no, you can you can do whatever you want. You just it. give you just give your thoughts. I mean, you're not here to impress me anymore. You're here to impress Woo. the people watching right now. Uh, cool. One minute on the clock. the clock. Less than two weeks. Less than two weeks. Derek Lewis no longer a free agent. Go. Hey man, this guy just signed. You know how people go to jail for life and they give him like seven life terms. That's what he did. Sign an eight fight deal with the UFC. I don't understand this because I feel like what Derek Lewis could have done is yes, you could have tested the market, but there is a Francis and Ganu fight out there that would pay you a shit ton of money and you wouldn't have to fight eight damn fights to do it. I don't understand why Derek Lewis just sat here and played the market for two weeks, which means he didn't play the market. Whatever Dana threw at him, he felt like it was the best deal on the table, but it wasn't. I guess his balls was hot and he needed to move on and wants to get back in the, in the octagon. The only case I could possibly make for Derek Lewis is this. John Jones will be gone soon, and he's got a six-pack now, so he might get another title opportunity. Yet and still, the bag was fumbled. He should have played the market, and he could have fought Francis Ngannou for whatever those eight fights cost. He probably would have got that in one fell swoop of the PFL. Derek Lewis, I love you, bro, but you blew it. Man. Not a, there are people who are very excited about this. Um, I'm st- The comment not- section does not agree with us, Andreas. I don't care. I don't. I do not care. Eight fight deal. You want to go to jail? Eight eight fight deal at thirty eight years old. What are we doing? It is heavyweight, so that's you know, bro. He could still no. be fighting at fifty. I'm not. I'm not surprised he resigned. I'm not surprised he resigned. I am surprised that he did it so fast that he didn't at least have a conversation and at least a dollar amount to bring back to the UFC. Be like, yo, they want me. They're going to pay me three million dollars to fight Francis. You guys want to match this and at least like give them the chance to at least give them something close. You know what I mean? Like, I, but I don't know. Like, we don't know what happened. Maybe they did talk to PFL. Maybe PFL was like, we'll give you two and no more. And he was just like, all right, well, it ain't worth it. I'm worth more than two. Maybe the UFC gave him a nice little offer. I don't know. We don't know, but it just seemed very, very quick to me. And like you said, Jed, I think you said the most important thing. If Derek Lewis is happy, who are we to say anything? But I am shocked that this only took 10 days to, to lock and load here. Stunned. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So the voting should be real interesting if uh, the peeps are against both of you guys. So cast your votes now. Who do you uh, disagree with less, Jed or yeah. Andreas? Cast your votes. Uh, put them in. We'll let them run for a little bit. Jed? I just wanted to note to some of the commenters who were out there saying that he secured eight fights. Why Why is that a bad decision? Uh, because he didn't. He is locked into the UFC for up to eight fights. They can fire his ass whenever they so choose. If he was guaranteed his eight on that end, maybe there's an argument for that. But that's not how the contracts work. He can't fight anywhere else for at least eight fights unless the UFC fires him. But they can do that sort of at will. So there you go. Was this yeah, them no- just? Do you think the UFC gave him like? Uh, do you think the UFC gave him like a really high number just to avoid Francis? Do you think this was like? I don't care what it costs. You just tell me what you want. We'll make it happen. So you don't fight Francis. 
my guess is that the eight fight deal, and I know that they lo- they like to structure fight de- several some deals for longer. My guess is that the eight fight deal is, hey, here's eight fights. Here's your total amount of money over those eight fights is over two two million dollars, right? Um, and so if you stick with us, even though you'll have to fight eight of eight times to make three million or whatever it is, that's more than the one-off two million you will make at PFL, which still doesn't really work out from a business standpoint, but you can sell yourself on that idea to sign the contract. That's Dude, a total I guess. I have no idea. I just don't understand how you don't play the market. I just don't get it. How do you lock yourself in? It's like they just threw a bag of money at you, whatever it was. It was like it was the Don King. That's what they did. They did the Don King. They was like reaching the bag, get get how much, however much money you can get out, and now you're with us. There could have been a better deal on the table. Is as as to Jed's point, it's not guaranteed he's going to fight eight times. I don't know if he wants to fight eight more times. I just want to see him get the best deal possible, and you can't do that if you don't play the market. You have to play the market against yourself. Well, hopefully we get the Jarzinho fight right off the bat and keep him away from the Sergey Spivaks and Alexander Romano. That's the other thing. You do Jarzinho, and then what are we doing with him? I don't even want him in the UFC, not like from a moral, but it's just like boring. Jarzinho is the only kind of interesting fight. Arlovsky. I, I love Andre Arlovsky more than just about anyone. I don't even want to see that fight. <laughs> like it's just, what are we doing? Well, well what should have happened is he – he fights Francis and then he goes to BKFC and then I, then that that's that's good MMA that's good fight world and now we're in this timeline where he's gonna like every three fights just get taken down and murdered by some somebody else you know some Romanov or whatever coming through. Agaporta, yep. Chris Barnett. I mean, there's there's some fun ones. I mean, some I would always ones. watch him fight Huggy Bear. Yeah. See, I'll watch we gave him, fight there's the first, there's the first three or four fights right there. Casey is here, uh, which means we might have a winner, by the way, uh, heck of a morning tomorrow, 10 AM Eastern. I am off the rest of the day. Uh, we will have a preview show, uh, breaking news. AK Lee will be hosting the preview show. Uh, yeah. Jed, you want to do the preview show tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Probably not, but maybe we can talk about it all fair. Okay. Fair enough. I have to look at the schedules. I don't really know. Putting you on the spot, hoping to just lock up a deal. Didn't happen. He's playing the market, and I respect I'm, that. I'm not Derek Lewis. I'm not going to just say yes. <laughs> uh, Casey, uh, by the way, but before we started, uh, Casey just playing banger after banger in his house. Uh, some Billy Ocean, little Caribbean queen, just a whole bunch of bangers. Some air, some air supply. It was good. Some air supply. Alan Parsons Project. Good stuff, good stuff. The best part of the show is the 10 minutes before. What do we got, Casey? (laughs) Who wins? We have a winner. All right. Today's winner with 66% of the votes is... And still, Jed Mishu. Jed gets the win. I don't think I'm still anything, but okay. (laughs) You're still (laughs) here, Just take it, just take it. Take take the win. Take the win. Thank you. I mean, yes. What do you have to say to the to the fine folks who hated what you had to say about Derek Lewis, but still voted for you anyways? Uh, thanks. Uh, my post fight (laughs) speech was going to be about Derek Lewis fumbling the bag, and then I realized that's probably just going to be our fifth topic. So, uh, I'm just going to stake my ground right now, and then Andreas can react to it. I've talked myself into it. I'm going to pick Sean O'Malley to beat out Jermaine Sterling next week. I'm on the corner. Wow. I'm going to be there. It doesn't make any sense. Aljamain Sterling is a much better fighter, but it's going to happen. And jo- join the team. Join the bandwagon. Hop on now. All aboard the train, baby. Let's go. Andres, what, what are your thoughts on this? He's picking Sean O'Malley over Aljamain Sterling. I see the look on your face. I don't know if that's a look of agreement or just flat-out disagreement. No, nah, I disagree. Listen, I, I don't know. I don't know what the hell is going to happen in this fight, but Sean O'Malley's here, so anything can happen. Uh, I'm going to pick Aljo because I just think the grappling will be too much. I think it'll be – it could be interesting, though, because Sean O'Malley could dust him off in a round. It's, it's very possible. Uh, so, Jed, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you for this pick. There's there's no I'm real winners here. I'm mad at myself. <laughs> I don't oh, want it this to direction? happen. I don't want well, it to happen because I – I kind of like, I don't like Aljo for a lot of because some of his personality stuff, but I like him as a fighter and as a champion. I think he's the most underrated champion in the UFC right now. And he's going to get got by this dude who might not be good. I'm not sure Sean Mallory's good at fighting. 
Between uh, Sean, imagine, imagine a world where Sean O'Malley and Sean Strickland are both champions. Oh man, the world of Sean. The world the of Sean. World. It wow. would be the funniest yep. outcome. Unbelievable, <laughs> Jed. I mean, Jed might have just bought himself a spot on the on the main event for the watch party next Saturday because I might just have to see how this all plays out if he sticks to this to his guns here. We'll find I've been, out next I've been week working on it for a month. I've been trying to and get there? myself there for a month, and I got there. All right, hit the music, Casey. This is uh this is a massive bit of news, and we'll see if this prediction it has to carry over now. When Jed gets over the line, he stays there, there. and they give him a lot of respect. Stay on my hill. So, Yes. And if, uh, if O'Malley be... wins, as Andreas pointed out, I'm definitely getting myself there on Strickland. We're going to go for the double Sean champions. Wow. What a freaking world we could be living in. So thank you. Uh, we'll be in Boston next week, so we'll figure out how to do a show. But for Andreas, for Jed, Casey on the ones and Tuesday, Iconic Voice Special and Takes You Home. I am Mike Heck. Back next week between the links. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links, an MMA Fighting production on the Vox Media Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.